welcome to the Upsiders podcast, where we unpack what it takes to succeed as an influencer. My name is Victoria Jones, and I'm founder and director of leading influencer marketing agency, The Upsiders. Through this podcast, I want to equip you with the knowledge and strategies needed to take your own business to the next level, build your brand and fast track your entrepreneurial journey. I'll be interviewing the world's most successful business leaders, innovators and influencers. We'll delve deep into how they kickstarted their business, the tips they've learned along the way and reveal what it takes to succeed. I'm really excited to be interviewing Upsiders talent and leading food, drink and lifestyle influencer Alex Adams. I've been working with Alex for over four years now and in that time she's grown from being a blogger to a publishing powerhouse and sought after female entrepreneur, host and influencer. Alex manages multiple businesses including Eat, Drink, Play, Miss Darlinghurst and of course Secret Foodies. If you're an adventurous food lover I'm sure you've been to one of their incredible events. Um, I'm going to be talking to Alex today about time management and how to stay motivated when you're self-employed. Something I know I struggle with when I'm completely overwhelmed by my to-do list and have no idea where to start. I think that's when it's tempting to stay in your PJs and watch Netflix all day. And I know a lot of other business owners can relate to that. So welcome, Alex. Um, it's great to have you on the show as a guest. I know you're used to being on the other side of the mic with um, <laughs> with Jai here, who's producing the podcast as maker and creator. So yeah, does it feel you. good being on the um, it, well, I'm being a bit an of a control freak, so I'm like, I'm normally the one asking the questions, and you're, and I have, I have a prepared, I don't know, but it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so do you have those days where you, you want, just want to stay in your pajamas and watch Netflix? Uh, look, Vic, literally I spent two years doing that when I first started my business. I, yeah, I built my business out of my bedroom. So there were days when my flatmate would come home and she'd be like, are you still in your pajamas? I'm, no. Okay. Yes. But I did shower and then I put them back on. <laughs> uh, so that was a big reality when I first started the business and I quickly realized, well, actually, no, it took me two years to realize that I needed an, a space to go to so that I could separate the two. But when you're starting out in a new business, uh, you know, it's sort of an expense really. And yeah. co-working spaces, they went around when I started my business back in you know, 2010, eight years ago. So it was really expensive to have a space back then. Yeah. And would you work from cafes or would you literally just work from home? Mainly from my from home. Yeah. And I'd sometimes go out to cafes. I, I tried to book a lot of meetings and get out there and see people and you know, immerse myself in, in um, like social media and food scene as much as I could. But I definitely kept my home as a base initially. So what would you say to other people starting out when they're working from home? Is it good to create a little office space or something where you can kind of detach yourself yeah well when I first started I was my one of my girlfriends we were living together in Darlinghurst and we had this tiny two-bedroom apartment so it was my bedroom a small lounge room and the kitchen and her bedroom so there was nowhere I could really have other than a desk in my bedroom and you know having your bed in eyesight of your laptop is just really um I just think it's not very constructive so I would definitely recommend if there's another room in the house that you can set up a table Somewhere that you can have a set, I am now in work mode, I am now in relax mode. Yeah. And that could even be, you know, getting up in the morning and getting changed out of your pyjamas and putting on your work clothes to go to your work 
which could just be going into the lounge room. But (laughs) I really think that's a distinction. And I think it's hilarious that you've got me on this show to do time management because I never thought I was really good at time management. It's definitely something I've had to – it didn't come naturally. I've had to learn and teach myself better time management over the last, you know, nine, ten years. Yeah, well, you're forced to do it as an entrepreneur, aren't you? You have to to manage your time because that's your most valuable asset. Would you agree that your time is the most valuable – yeah, absolutely. Got- you know, you can always make more money if you've got more time. So, yeah, I think time would be. And it's amazing how, um, you know, people people love to take that time away from you and a lot of people, um, and, you know, and you might want to do it as well when you're first starting a business. You, oh, do you mind if I just meet up for a coffee and pick your brains or do you mind if I do this? So, you, you know, I do think that it swings in roundabouts and what goes around comes around. So I, you know, donate my time I guess to other people and likewise I've asked people but then it also gets to a point where you need to be a bit selfish with your time and say you know these are I can't do I can't do everything yeah learn to say no well I know you said to me with meetings now you try to have meetings over the phone and don't always have to meet in person or do a call or a Skype yeah I've really so even now with you know multiple businesses that I run I run a, a really lean team I've never had any grand desire to have a huge um, workforce because I feel like you then become managing people as opposed to doing the things that you really love. So in order to do that, I hire efficient people who are really good at their job and can. I don't take meetings for meeting's sake. Um, I don't just, oh, do you want to grab a coffee? Or actually I always ask people in a polite way to tell me their agenda. Okay, great. Yeah. What did you want to talk about? Um, can I give you a quick call and we can have a chat over the phone about it? Uh, and yeah, I just think like I've worked with a consultant to large corporates and the amount of meetings people have for meeting sake, I just, I don't know how anyone gets any work done. And that's probably why you need six people to do two people's job because you've got <laughs> yeah. so many meetings. Yeah. You become a lot more efficient then. Yeah. So you taught yourself along the way. Did you have like a, um, were you disciplined with a schedule as you, how did you sort of manage the whole emails and cause obviously at the beginning you're doing everything. Yeah, um, I think it just sort of, as I got busier in the beginning, you know, when you're, you're not so busy and you don't have as much um, as much business, um, maybe you do have more time on your hands. So it's all right if you sort of, oh, you know, taking lots of coffee meetings and going to a lot of social networking events. But then, you know, you're doing well when you're too busy to go to those things. Yeah. And when I first started, I'd go to the opening of an envelope because I was trying to get my brand out there. I was trying to network. I, you know, anyone I'd meet, oh, great, have you got a card? Swap it over, connect on LinkedIn. I was very much about networking and building relationships with people, genuine relationships, people who I actually wanted to do business with. And it was, and I really made a conscious effort not to be so um, take, take, take. It was always like, yeah. oh, great, well, you know, maybe I'd invite them to one of my events. Why don't you come along to one of my events and, you know, bring your partner? And that was sort of a nice way to give back as well as get to know that person who I might want to do business with. Um, Well, that's key in business, isn't it? Building relationships and that's good advice to people starting mm. out too is that it's so important to build your network and build build that along the way, people that can help you. Yeah, and real real relationships and just being mindful of, you know, what's the benefit of that person taking a meeting with you? Their time is also really precious and they're also got business goals that they're trying to achieve. Yeah. So making sure you're not wasting anyone's time and, um, you know, and there's something in it for them, even if it's further down the track, it might be three years that you contact that person. You're like, Hey, you remember that meeting you had? Thanks so much. I just found this article that I thought might be really relevant for you or, 
you know, genuine, general relationships. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I think as I got busier, I just started naturally putting these processes in place and having an office or somewhere else to go really helped as well because then I went, okay, well, I'm only there from, you know, let's say 9 to 5.30 or a bit more when you've got your own business and these are the hours I'm going to do my work and then when I go home, I'm going to keep that as my relaxing time. Yeah, because that's quite hard these days. I think lots of people take their work home with them, don't they? they they're on their emails at mm. night and, and people find that they actually can't switch off now and I think it's so important to just have that time to not think about work and that's when you get your best creative ideas I don't know if you're the same but yeah when you're not you know in the business all the time you start to think bigger picture yeah absolutely I mean I've always said this that through boredom comes through creativity and we're not bored anymore think about the last time you were actually bored it's impossible there's so much to do if you're bored you pick up your phone you check your Instagram feed or you you know you go and do something but it's it's hard to be bored these days. So I wonder whether our creativity is suffering. I don't know. Yeah, creative. Well, they say creativity creativity thrives when times are tough sometimes, and that's when you get innovation. The most maybe yeah, yeah, comes people out of innovate that. more. And so you know, you're an innovator. You've done mm-hmm. now have three. How did it? You started with one part of the business, and then can you explain how you then? branched out into having three different revenue streams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I studied journalism and I couldn't get a job as a journo. No one would hire me, print journalism. And so I wound up working in the corporate world in sort of sales and marketing for about five years. And I was wearing a suit to work. I was working in the city in Sydney and I just was like, oh, this isn't me. And I really missed writing. So I went and did this little refresher course at the community college um, on York Street and I did two hours. It was sort of like a 12-week course. And one day it was a two-hour lesson on blogging. And I was like, what the hell is blogging? And this was back in 2009. So there weren't that many blogs around. And there's so many blogs out there now, but there weren't that many. So I watched a little YouTube and I thought, well, how am I going to you know, set up this blog? And I we had the corporate sort of personality so I came up with Ms Darlinghurst which was my alias living in Darlinghurst at the time and so then by day I was Alex Adams wearing my suit and doing my thing pretending to write emails but actually writing blog posts about bars and restaurants and you know terrible dates that was going on and all sorts of please don't ever look back at the early work of featuring play is it still online actually i've I've recently pulled it down because we're doing a rehaul of the um of our website and i was like no one needs to see these could publish a side book or something on you know the early days god my grammar was awful i don't know what i was thinking uh and so then eat drink play came about and i just loved it i love the 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 concept that i could self-publish I love the fact that I had an, I, you know, I had an audience essentially, even if it was just my mum and my friends, it was an audience that people could read and people were commenting and it was interacting and online and people were tweeting each other and it was this real sense of online community. And then I guess part of me a year into that was looking for ways to build networks offline and I was noticing, I've always been a massive foodie, and I noticed there was a bit of a trend in sort of pop-up gorilla dining happening in London and New York. And I just love that idea of bringing people together over food. And so in April 2010, I came up with this idea of something called secret foodies. 
And I was like, I'm going to run a secret dinner party and I'll invite 10 friends and they've got to bring one person I've never met before and they won't know where they're going until two hours before and I'll send them a secret text message and we'll have masks that's like secret and I'll pick a new venue that's just opened up and and I did and that was on a Friday night and 20 people came we had a fantastic evening and I didn't sleep all weekend. Yeah, my mom. Because you just loved you just the energy from it. Yeah, the adrenaline. I had so much adrenaline. I mean, when you find something that you're like, oh my god, I'm in love with this concept or what it yeah. is. There's so much purpose and excitement. And I was bored. I think that's where it came from. You know, I was bored in a job that allowed me to have my mind wander and be creative and come up with this concept. And that was on the Friday. I did the first event and I quit my job on Monday. Wow. I was only Were twenty. You scared? <laughs> did you feel scared to quit and? I would be scared now at this age. You know, this is nearly 10 years later. I was only 25 at the time. And I think it was um, naive confidence. I thought, oh, yeah, I've got this. And I thought, you know what, I'd save the deposit for a house. Um, So I had the deposit for a house and I thought, oh, I'll invest this in a business. I'm only 25. I can always go back and, you know, get another property. And, yeah, I wasn't really scared. I think I just... I thought, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Give it a go. I'll just go get another corporate job if it doesn't work out. Yeah, that's what I say to so many people. They have their idea. You know, if it doesn't work out, you just go back to your corporate job. Yeah, and I did take – so a friend of mine was starting a company and I did a couple of days a week with him consulting on the side. So I had a little bit of money coming through. And then Eat, Drink, Play didn't make money for years. So that's a really important thing to note. So Eat, Drink, Play didn't make money for years, but Secret Foodies made money from day dot. Okay, so, so as soon as you started the event side, mm-hmm. that was... Yeah, I, it was a business. And I yeah. knew how to do it as a business. It was an events business. I knew how to sell tickets and make revenue and negotiate with venues and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I knew how to sell that. But Eat, Drink, Play, I knew that things were changing, even at 25. I was like, I know that the landscape is changing. I know it's not just about print journalism. I know that we're heading towards an online. I don't know how I'm going to make money out of this, but I'm just going to keep doing it and I'm going to build an organic audience that audience will sell tickets to Secret Foodie, so I'll use it as my marketing platform, and one day I'm sure it'll make money, you know? So I just sort of kept yeah. it going. And, then, and now it's making money, isn't yeah, it? Now your absolutely. brands want to work with you. and Thank you, Vic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, we, we also do a lot of our sales ourselves. But, um, yeah, so Secret Foodies made money from the beginning. And, yeah, and then so I always had in the back of my mind, I, you know, if it doesn't work out, I, I can get a corporate job. And then about three years into it, I was like, nah, I'm not going back. Like, this is my job and this is what I do now. And I remember my accountant on the first, the first, I was on like six figures. I was doing really well. And I remember going and seeing him after the first year of my first year in business. And he kind of gravely looked at me and said, oh, I'm really sorry, Alex. Like, you only made $30,000 this year. Sort of whispering, like no one can hear in his <laughs> office. And I was like, oh my God, I made $30,000. Are you serious? I was like, John, I made that money. I made that. No one gave me that money. I made $30,000 yeah. out of nothing. Penny for you, for yeah. yourself, yeah. And I've never been more proud than that first paycheck. That's so exciting. Yeah, when someone else says, look, this is all, because it's not just a salary that you uh-uh. just get paid each month. It's You've had to hustle for that and yeah, you put everything it. into it. And then you end up, you know, I ended up buying the apartment in the end. I ended up, you know, employing other people and all of a sudden you're responsible for their salaries and you're making enough money that you can support other people. Like it's really exciting. Was that a difficult time? When did you sort of get to that stage where you felt, okay, I can't do everything myself anymore. I need help. I need to employ, employ someone. Uh, yeah. So that happened 
probably like three years into it. Like a lot of it I did myself. Um, and then, yeah, about three years in and I'm a, I'm kind of a, a big believer in nurturing younger people and mentoring younger people through. So rather than taking someone who's, you know, maybe a little bit older and might have some bad habits, um, I'd rather take a junior through. So I would – um, yeah, bring on bring on some juniors and sort of bring them through and organically grow them through the business and teach them everything. I, I feel like and I hope that my former staff and current staff would think this, but I, I do have quite a mentorship style management style. Like yeah. I tend to really care and um, spend a lot of time investing in people that work with me. And helping upskill them yeah. and grow them. And you think that keeps them engaged then and want to work with you? And- yeah, I think so. Um you know, they're, they're sort of more loyal or they're invested in the business. They're, they're passionate. They're excited about what they're doing. And they feel like they're, I think also, you know, people particularly in their, their sort of early mid-20s is not just about salary. Um, so when you ask them a lot of the time, because I worked in recruitment for a while, so a lot of the time younger people, when they say, oh, what are the three main things you want? It's like, you know, oh, a company that I feel really values me, um, like ongoing education and money would be good. But a lot of the time it tends to come third and it tends to be like, you know, good culture, good values, people are investing in me and, and then salary. Yeah. So you really help them help develop them along the way. It's a lot of time must be spent developing them and Yeah, it's definitely a lot of time, too. but I would rather do that, I think, than hire someone in straight away. So yeah. this is how I've always done it for my business. Other people will have different ways. And, you know, hiring someone that's got experience can definitely have its benefits as well because they bring new perspective into the business and – but I think a younger person would still do that, still bring fresh pair of eyes and new perspective as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's worked for my business and that's how I've liked to do it. And in terms of your own personal development, have you had to upskill along the way and learn new, you know, video, for example? <laughs> that wasn't something you did at the beginning, was it? And now yeah, I've... you're in front of the camera and you're, you know, out there hosting and that's something did you have to teach that to yourself along the way um I've definitely sought some external help so I went and um did tv presenting at NIDA so yeah. I've always been a good presenter but there's it's definitely different standing in front of a room of people engaging their interaction and their eye contact to change how you're presenting versus standing in front of the down the barrel of a camera with no one to interact with so I taught I, I you know I went to NIDA and learned tv presenting and then I'm um, pretty much borderline dyslexic when it comes to numbers. I they don't come naturally to me. So I've really had to, I've, I've got a good bookkeeper. I've got a good accountant, but I've really had to spend time learning more of the numbers side of the business. Yeah. Um, so that didn't come naturally to me, but I got some help with that. But other things, yeah, you just sort of pick up along the way. And there's tools now you can use too, like online mm. tools. You know, you can teach yourself on YouTube, can't you? Or you can use different platforms that help produce things too do you have any tools that you swear by that you'd advise other people to use I actually thought this would make a really good blog post like all the different tools and websites that I use but in my day-to-day we you know what do we use we use um, Hootsuite to schedule all our content we use MailChimp for all our EDMs I use Zero for my accounting oh that's so good I use that as well Zero is really good yeah, yeah. and I claimed across I I came across something today. There's a few different um, timekeeper apps, but I came across a new one today. I don't know if it's new, but it's new to me, Clockify. And yeah. what I do is I, oh, I've started, I tend to 
misjudge how much time I spend on things. So what I've started to do now is just with my different projects. Like today we had a client called us out of the, um, in a panic. Their boat's been cancelled for their Christmas party and they need to find something on Friday the 7th of December, which is like the busiest day oh, wow. of the year so for 200 days. people. <laughs> and I know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you poor thing. And so I'm like, right, okay, we can do it for this and, you know, quoted them. And then I was like, I just need to track how much time I'm actually spending on that because often I can overspend time on it. And so you can clockify, you can track your time and put a, a dollar amount next to it so you can make yeah, sure you're billing useful. the right amount. So that's really good for any freelancers out there, anyone who does, you know, like photography or anything that's like freelancy based is probably good for, for that. And it's free, completely free app. Okay, and it's also got a, a Chrome desktop um, plug-in that I realized today. So that was one I found today. Um, what else do we use? Uh, yeah, do you use any management sit like – Trello or... Oh, we use Salesforce IQ for our CRM, but they're actually discontinuing the product, so we're going to have to get onto something different Uh, or like an Asana or something like that. Um, No, with our developers, um, we actually just use, I think it's Google Presentation where you can add comments in. Yeah, Yeah, that's useful. Yeah, use a lot of the G Suite products. I swear by them, they're the best. Um, Docs and Google Docs are great. Yeah. That definitely saves time sharing documents rather yeah. than having to download, upload, much easier. Um, and then in terms of each of the business, do you allocate a certain amount of time to spend on Miss Darlinghurst, Eat, Drink, Play, Secret Foodies? Do you, do you have a different goal for each? Yes. So thing? I tend to run them as three different businesses. And look, so Eat, Drink, Play started making money because all of a sudden advertisers were thinking, well, rather than just putting a flashing banner or a print ad, I can get organic, engaged content, um, you know, we, on, on an online website. And so then Eat, Drink, Play started making money and it's things like, you know, rather than saying, um, you know, I remember one of the first things we did together, it was rather than, oh, how great is Dilma T's new range? It was like, well, that's kind of boring. So we did a whole high tea gu- guide on like oh, some yeah, awesome, that. Yeah, that was great. some like yeah. great recipes and like where you could host the perfect high tea around Sydney and Melbourne and like iced tea recipes using their tea. So it was like actually informative as opposed to check out this cool iced tea. Like that's really boring. Yeah. No one cares about yeah, a new so tea creative. range. Yeah, so I think that's why more brands need to collaborate with influencers and let the influencer have creative control because mm-hmm. they're the ones you know your audience yeah. you know it's going to work and you can come up with all those amazing ideas that you know it's like working with a creative agency well and essentially we are a mini creative agency yeah. you know we are the creatives in this aspect and we have the audience <laughs> so a creative agency yes you could go to them and then they have to find the audience but if you come to you know an influencer or an online website most of them these days will have it they'll do it all themselves yeah, you have your engaged audience there. Yeah, you have your creative, cre- you know, you create content and you can... Production as production well. Production and you can pimp it out. So that's, you know, that's sort of the triple win, I guess. But then, see, so then Ms. Darlinghurst, I mean, that was just sort of my little alias, but then even Ms. Darlinghurst now gets, you know, people get me to host things or go and talk at different things and, um, you know, and that makes money in itself. And the newsletter as well, your weekly newsletter, that's become yeah, a real the thing that people follow. Over 80,000 people in Sydney. And the newsletter is great because I pull in all three brands into that. Um, so I have Secret Foodies event and then I'll have, you know, all the best places to eat, drink, play, new restaurants, competitions, awesome things you to check out and a little editor's note from me, you know, about things I think you should, a personal note of what I think you should be doing. 
that's a really good way of sort of tying in my three brands. And that's grown and grown. Did you have a strategy for growing that? Has it been all organic or did you did you have a plan? Um, so a lot of that came through with Secret Foodies events and people wanting to um, experience Secret Foodies events, so signing up to that. And then a lot of competitions have been a really great way of growing our email database. Yeah. And I think look, other people have different different takes on this, but I've been really big on growing email, um, like our social channels. We've got good followings on socials as well. Um, but then I think email still like our number one way that we sell out our events. It's still a great way of engaging people. And you actually, own it as well. You're yeah. not at the whim of the algorithm that Facebook changes or. Yeah. Which worries me sometimes with, I don't know, modern influencers um, or Instagrammers. It's, you know, their whole account. You might have, you know, 100,000 people on your Instagram, but I don't know, that kind of makes me nervous. What happens when. Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, brings in advertising and all of a sudden people aren't you're not getting high engagement because people yeah. aren't seeing your photos because you're not boosting it. I mean, that's yeah. what sort of we saw on Facebook. But well, that's why it's so important to have your own blog as well, your own website. Then. Somewhere you can host your content that you own. Yeah. I think is important. I think that's still important. Oh, it's definitely important. Yeah. It helps build SEO long term and builds your brand in the well, long run. Why not run? do it all? I think that's the yeah. thing, you know, Instagram and Facebook are tools to drive people to your home, which is your website, and you own those clicks. And then and then your EDM, you know, pushes it out to people as well. Yeah. So I think that you've got to cast, cast the net wide, really. Do you ever find it overwhelming that there's Facebook and <laughs> Instagram and Insta Stories and now Insta Live TV? Do you, how do you keep up with it all? I think you have to keep up or you're going to get left behind. Yeah. And you don't have, if you were to go in and do it all, set it up, I mean, it could be, it can be, it could be really full on for someone who's just starting the business, but just start and take baby steps, set yourself little goals. I remember when I had a goal of like, okay, I want to get to 10,000 people on Instagram. And then it was like 20 and then it was all of a sudden we were like 50 and I was like, wow. You I know? remember you got to 50 and you yeah. were, I think you threw a little party or you, yeah, it was something. <laughs> yeah, we did a little dance in the office and drank some champagne and, you know, so you have these little goals and. Yeah, even our unique visitors, we've got that on our wall, like how many unique visitors we're trying to get. So having something visual, I've always I've always had my goals visual visually where I can see them every day and yeah. kind of check in with myself. What am I doing today that is heading towards that goal? And the plan to get there, do you make sure, are you giving content that you know people want or engage with? What's your strategy for achieving these goals? Yeah, look, there's things that we know our audience want and we'll get great clicks from it so we've got like all our guides you know sydney's best cheap eats and the cbd or um you know where to host your christmas party at this time of year like those things are definitely going to get us good clicks and they're great pieces of content but then also sometimes we'll write we might go out on a limb and we might write about something that we think i don't know people are actually gonna find this interesting and sometimes no it turns out you get hardly any clicks and you're like damn i just spent an hour writing that article (laughs) and other times it might go wild and we did this article a couple of years ago. Um, there's these guys called Bompus and Pa in London, and they do these really crazy, immersive, out there experiences. They once did, they recreated the Thames and made it out of jello. Oh, and they've wow. done all these quirky things. And um, we wrote an article about sploshing. Do you know what splashing oh, is? Yeah. <laughs> I do. That's why I'm laughing. Can you, can you explain for people that might not know? So splashing, I think it must be some sort of fetish thing. Splashing is where you take your naked posterior and you sit on a cake. <laughs> and what bottom kind of, for anyone that doesn't your know. Your bottom. Posterior. Yeah, posterior, or bum. your bum. Put your bum, put your ass in a cake. 
And they did this exhibition where they did all these beautiful looking cakes, like some were like a jelly cake, some were like a cream cake. And then they did an art exhibition of different people putting their butts in these cakes. And we thought it was hilarious. And we thought, oh, is this gonna, how's this going to go down with our readers? And turns out they loved it. So, you know, they're just as wacky as us. Yeah, that's memorable. I like that. <laughs> How did your Tim Tam Slam go? Because I know you did a video recently in partnership with Arnott's where you did a Tim Tam Slam. Did people yes. like that? We're actually going to post that tomorrow. Okay. So we're going to post it tomorrow. Okay. I'll let you know, everyone. Oh, this probably might come out a little bit later. But yeah, go back and look at our Tim Tam Slam. <laughs> <laughs> go back and look at our Tim Tam Slam. And that was really fun. And I think for that one... Um, you know, I love working on those ones because it, it's a it's also a challenge to come up with something that people haven't seen. So heaps of people have done the Tim Tam slams, any from like you know celebrities through to um, sports stars. And so for our Tim Tam slam, I decided to teach my friend Katie, who is Irish, how to do a Tim Tam slam. She's never done one before. It's pretty hilarious. So that was that was good. Yeah, that worked well. <laughs> Plus, we got to eat it. Tim Tams. Which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and just wrapping up, because you're obviously very passionate about what you do, That do you think that helps drive, you know, the time you put into your business? And is that how important is that for you? And- oh, I mean, for me, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't do anything I'm not passionate about for long. You know, yeah. sometimes you need to die. I understand people got to make ends meet and you need to sometimes do jobs that you don't want to do or... Um, might be a bit boring, but they might make you some money, which fuels your passion to achieve something that you do want to do. But I think where it starts to get danger zone is when you get trapped in a job that you don't like because it makes money and you don't end up pursuing those things that you really love to do. Yeah, that burning thing. And I think you've shown that you can make money from your passion and what you love. And and do you have a long-term goal for for each, you know, for all your brands and all your businesses yeah secret foodies we've definitely delved more into brand collaborations particularly this year we've done so many different partnerships um, we launched a new rosé brand in february in um, sydney melbourne brisbane and so rather than going to an events company they came to us and not only did we create three beautiful events for them but we also managed to sell out you know 200 people at each and expose yeah, them yeah you've to, got the credibility yeah and we've got the pool that we can sell out their tickets anyone could go to an events company and get them to do a pretty event but they're not going to be able to sell it out for you as well for a consumer activation so that's that's sort of where i think we're really setting ourselves apart um, is more of that sort of agency work. And it's great for Secret Foodies guests as well because we've got bigger budgets to work with. They can have even more beautiful, ex- you know, exciting things. Yeah. So that's sort of the, the plan for that is to do more brand collaborations for Secret Foodies and, and try and, again, just sort of cross-promoting that with Eat, Drink, Play. So, again, with that Days of Rosé event, um, the rosé event we did, we supported it with content. So we were like, here's some rosé spritzes to make this summer and here are the recipes and here's, you know, how to host your own hidden garden party in Sydney and where you could do that. So interesting pieces of content that support our events is where I want to sort of take eat, drink, play. Yeah. Uh, well, and brands and, want content now. They want as much content as possible online and offline. So yeah, it's definitely where it's heading. More video. So I think, and video is becoming so much more affordable to produce these days. And it doesn't have to be audiences. They don't need a super polished video anymore. They don't want perfection, do they? No. They quite like the flawed Broad videos, they I want think. real. I yeah. think, yeah, they want that behind the scenes, real, authentic video. 
So I think that's that's really exciting. I'm I'm loving doing more of that with Eat Drink Play, and I think that's just going to keep on growing and growing. Um, and then yeah, I think keep doing my maker and creative podcast and <laughs> see what else happens. You just got to be open with things. You got a plan, and we've definitely got goals that I'm working towards. But you've also just got to be open to new things that might come your way. Yeah. Good point to end on, especially as everything's moving so fast these days, isn't it? You've got to keep keep up. I've just got a final five questions that okay. we ask everyone. So think, yeah, whatever comes to your head straight away, just say that one. Burgers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, number one, biggest challenge hurdle you've ha- you've had to overcome. Um. Good question. Um, I think managing managing my expectations in multiple states. Um, we were smashing it in Sydney and selling out all our events and then I launched in Melbourne and Brisbane and all of a sudden we're back to square one. So bringing my mind back to, yeah, I can't just put a 100-person you know, event on this ticket price and we're going to sell out overnight. No one knows us there. So it was going back and starting that marketing process and getting in getting the enthusiasm that I had five years before that and doing it again yeah I think was the biggest challenge on that note would you take it global just uh no I don't think I will I mean no. if anyone's out there and they want to franchise secret foodies get in touch <laughs> uh but no I I think there's I listened to a talk with Justin Hems from Maryvale uh last year and he talked about, I mean, he's just in Sydney, the huge, you know, owns half of Sydney in the hospitality space and he's hugely successful and, and staying in Sydney has worked for him because he's being able to capitalise on, on one market. And I think sometimes it sounds really good having multiple markets and multiple states, but is it going to make you more money? Is it going to cause you more stress? So waste money trying to launch overseas yeah. as well. And if you're onto a good thing, sometimes it's nice just to sit back and enjoy your hard work and, you know, it's a little bit easier now. I've done a lot of hard work and we're going to sit back and relax and enjoy it for a little while. Yeah. And a daily habit, habit that helps you to stay motivated? Uh, try to ride my bike to work every day. So it's just that, you know, getting the, getting the blood pumping and the move, body moving kind of gets me motivated. And then every day I've got a to-do list and I have it split into two columns and it's um, urgent, important, and then the other one is um, – not urgent, important, and they toggle between the two. And then I have my week laid out in my to-do list as well. So I can, every day I'll check that, revise it, what am I doing, and I fix it and I update it before I leave every day. So oh, I'm set good. for the next Super day. Super organised. Yeah, then it's like clears your head before you go yeah. home and then you're like, okay. Yeah. Anything I didn't get done today, okay, put it put there. Is it urgent? Is it important? Can it go on the other list? And just making sure at the beginning of the day and the end of the day I finish with my to-do list. Yeah, and advice you'd say to your younger self? One piece of advice. Oh, um, <laughs> um, maybe. Oh, good question. Yeah, maybe be a little bit more shrewd with your spending habits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I think you seem very shrewd. Do I? Um, yeah, you're not extravagant, are you? Buying ridiculous luxury items or oh, I, remember I don't when know I, first started, I was like oh I need this 27 inch iMac and I need this laptop for when I travel and you know I, I probably did need all those things um but yeah I don't know no 
not just do everything you did. <laughs> yeah, you're happy you're at the, here today. Yeah, you're happy at the age of 34 just doing exactly what you did back yeah. then. A good habit or skill to develop in business? Um, uh, like the art of following up, you know? If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to send an email, send that email. Um, if someone gives you their card, hi, thanks, nice to meet you, even if you add them on LinkedIn. Sometimes like a little personal note here and there can go a long way. Yeah, I helps mean, to build relationships yeah. like you were saying. So just, you know, following up, touching base with people. And how would you finish this sentence? An influencer is dot, dot, dot. Um, someone in the know you need to know. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. That was great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Oh,